Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're listening to this podcast, we're in this thought process around retiring sooner. And in our years of studying the happiest retirees, we found that they're often also busier than ever focused on exploring their core pursuits and their new interests and continuing their process of finding and expanding their purpose. But we've also heard from now happy retirees, though, that it doesn't just happen naturally for everyone. More than two-thirds of retirees report that the transition into retirement is much more difficult than they ever thought. Now, I see this particularly with high achievers, business owners, entrepreneurs, executives, consultants that have worked so hard for so many years, it's really tough for them to transition to not working. They haven't given themselves the time to really explore what's next because they always feel so guilty. I can't spend any time on that because it's all about work. So they may have totally funded retirement, but they haven't funded the two or 3,000 hours a week that they're going to get back with their time. Then I came across an article from Rich Eisenberg, who was on the podcast last September, the podcast episode was Unbelievably Unretired with Rich Eisenberg. But the article was about retirement reinvention programs. And these things can cost a fortune, 70, 80, $90,000 a year. But the article said, wait a minute, here's an option that costs 90% less. So I immediately asked our team to reach out. Who, who are these people? Let's talk to them. So that's how I found our guest today, Dr. Steve Tarr. He's a fellow at the Drucker School of Management in California, where he's also leading their new program called SOAR, which stands for Seek, Observe, Act, and Renew. The program's focused on helping folks discover new pathways to meaning, to community, and to purpose. These are all the things that the Retire Sooner podcast is all about. And we want more of that in your retiree life. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. So Steve, thank you for being here. I read an article that you were featured in recently by another friend of the show, Rich Eisenberg. And it was one of these topics that we would like to cover, but haven't gotten any real tactical in, insight around continuing education, second acts. We've talked about second acts here with Nancy Collimer, the author of that book, but it's, there's such a difficulty for retirees. Something like 68% of retirees report that they have a, a really difficult transition when they stop working, going into this 10, 20, 30, 40 years of not working. And it's so important to be able to figure out what your next 
purpose is, what your, I, we call these core pursuits or hobbies on steroids, keep your curiosity up and running. So I think that continuing education is part of that, let's call it palette of things that we can do to keep learning, but it can be super expensive. So I, I think I wanted to start with what is a retirement reinvention program, but how did you ultimately land to working with the Drucker School Management? And did you start SOAR or are you consulting on SOAR? I kind of got roped into it um, in a good way. Uh, so uh, Len Jessup is the president of Claremont Graduate University. And there's a- cons- Claremont in, in California, In California, right. California, right. Yep. And you know, there's a number of universities in a consortium there, two graduate universities, Claremont Graduate being one of them. And Len and I have known each other for years. And um, I said, so, so Len, there's these um, life transitions, there's changes going on in higher education. Um, and so what can I do to help? And so I had different opportunities to look at at the Drucker School of Management and the dean of the Drucker School, Dave Sprott. I also known him for years. And so um, I started volunteering on the advisory committee, the external advisory committee that helped shape this program. And mid-year last year, uh, uh, Dave and another professor said, hey, Hey, can you jump on a call and talk about SOAR for a minute or two? And I said, oh, sure. So we did. And they said, well, we were wondering if you wanted to take over the whole program. <laughs> and uh, Just a benign call. Hey, can you hop on for a quick? Yeah. Next thing you know, they, they, they knew they were going to ask you to run the program. Of course, of course. And so I said um, to the, uh, the professor, um, Kat Pick, I said, okay, Kat, send me your materials. Let me look it over and let me size this thing up. And she goes, yeah, I'll do it today because I'm leaving tomorrow for a, a month vacation in the backwoods of Canada. <laughs> and I said, really? Uh, and so, I, of course, I looked at it and I talked with Dave and I said, yeah, I'll do this. We need to get this off the ground because it uh, fulfills such an important part of what people are looking for right now. So um, that's how I got into it. Okay, so SOAR, which stands for Seek, Observe, Act, and Renew, in your words, how would you describe programs like this before we talk about exactly what SOAR is? So what is what is a – would you yeah. call this continuing ed? What would you call Well, it, it's interesting because what you just said is really yet to be determined because, uh, you know, historically um, universities, colleges have been for people – in the early parts of their lives and careers, you know, post teenage years, but pre-adulted, pre-career. And now we're realizing, well, uh, with people living longer and living healthier, um, what are you going to do with all this extra time? And so a lot of people, um, I mean, the numbers, of course, just because the demographics are going up, more and more people are retiring. And hopefully if they followed your financial advice, they're in good shape. So uh, the question is, what do they do with their time? And uh, a lot of them say, they look and say, like, I'm healthy, I'm fairly young, and I'm unfulfilled. So they unretire, um, if you call it that way, they look to reinvent themselves. And a number of universities are looking to transition to fill this void. It's not just a, a, a simple thing. It's a major societal transition where we're seeing this huge wave of people in this age group that's never really been well served. And, um, and that's what we um, look to do is help people to 
say you've had some dreams that you've always wished of pursuing, or you just want to do something different. What is that? And it can be a very energizing time of life. Yeah. So Peter Drucker, he's a prolific management consultant, author. Yes. But I think he said something like, if you talk about working for 50 years or 50 years of working life, you're going to have to reinvent yourself at some point. And at that point, you've got to make something different out of yourself rather than just, um, or, or may, and, and re-energize yourself. I will say that I have conversations, let's call it in the, the financial planning world, people that really did love their career that have made a lot of money, but it's, it's tough when you're 30 years in or 35 years in as a management consultant for a giant company to, to, to have the same vigor. Yep in year 35 than you did in year five when you're trying to make partner. Yep. It's just really hard for humans to continue on that trajectory. It is. And then I think you start thinking, gosh, I've, I've, I've loved this, but I've been doing it forever. What else can I do? I, yeah. There's something else I can do. Yeah. So for your folks, let's maybe talk about who's a candidate for a program like SOAR. What's the age range you, you see this as? And and then I want to get to the curriculum. Sure. I, I, I was able to find your curriculum, at least an overview of the curriculum on the Drucker School of Management website. So I want to talk through yeah. the curriculum too. So uh, the, the candidates are kind of like what you just mentioned, uh, people that have had success in their career, however they define it. And uh, for whatever reason, it could be age-related or just, I'm done here and I want to find something new. They want to be thoughtful in that transition um, because a lot of people just, well, they don't plan for it at all. Um, and they fall into like, what do I do now? And we've all heard the funny stories of two a husband and wife in the same situation and now they're both in the same house all day long and they're getting on each other's nerves. Well, they didn't plan. <laughs> They didn't yeah. plan what they're going to do. And, and I had a real uh, fortunate uh, encounter when I was in my 20s as a software developer. I worked with a really, really old guy. He was probably 53 years old. And I thought he was really old. And he was a software <laughs> developer. And um, he said one day to me, um, I bought a couple of acres and I'm starting to grow rhododendrons. And I looked at him like, and what? That doesn't make sense at all. And, that, and, and so I said, well, Ernie, um, why do you want to grow rhododendrons? He says, well, you know, I'm 53 years old. I'm not going to be a software developer forever. And so I'm planning to have something that I enjoy doing for my second act. Well, I was in my 20s. My parents never told me that. Nobody ever told me that. And here was a guy I was lucky enough to work with that was already doing that. And he said he wanted to run it as a business, didn't have to make a lot of money, just keep him busy. And it figured it'd take him 10 years to get it off the ground. So that by the time he's in his early to mid 60s, he's ready to go with the second act. Created a massive impression, obviously, because I'm still telling the story all these years later. But, you know, when you when you look at kind of what society has done to us, you know, the life. Of, Wait, did Ernie end up with a rhododendron he, company? He did. Wholesale rhododendron. <laughs> Oh, he really he did. did it. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. He did, yeah. I, I need to say, oh, I th I'm thinking, when I think rhododendron, I'm thinking azalea. Is that is that close? They, they are they are related, yeah. yeah. Rhododendrons are generally bigger, with bigger flowers, and they grow all throughout the Pacific Northwest in mountains. So they can be purple, they can be pink, and yep. they're uh, pink and white. Okay, so they, they do, they remind us of... 
Azalea, so the master. Yep. So again, I'm in, in Atlanta. We're near Augusta. Yes. And we, we're, a, we're a heavy Azalea city yes. here. Yes, they are related and, to Azaleas. And for those who are listening around the country that, that are maybe not as familiar with Azaleas, rhododendrons are close. So so he ended up with a landscaping, nurse, essentially a nursery type business. A wholesale business, nursery, Which yeah. is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. So And he did that for a long yeah, time then. Yeah, he did. Um, and That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and, and, and it was. And, you know, he, he was telling me about how, you know, this was 30 years ago, and Ernie was telling me, or 40 years ago now, and Ernie was telling me about planning your future ahead. And then as part of my career, I ran into Peter Drucker's article titled Managing Oneself, a book you can get on Amazon. And he, Drucker himself says, you got to plan for this second half of your life. And when you think about it demographically, you know, back in, um, you know, uh, the early 1900s, our average lifespan was about 53. And then you think about retirement that we perceive nowadays around 65 or 67, whatever it is for you. And uh, that was established in 1935 in the Social Security Act. A lot has changed. And, you know, the average life expectancy was in the early 60s in those days. And now it's closer to 80, lumping everybody together. And of course, a little dip due to COVID. But so what are you going to do? And health has improved. What are you going to do with all those years? So, you know, we're really looking for people that are want to be thoughtful about how they go about planning the second stage um, so they don't end up stuck under one roof or get tired of playing golf every day of the week. You know, a lot of people do that and then it runs out. What am I going to do now? Well, you've had a lot of experience in, in let's call it senior living and with senior populations. Yeah. And in that world, I'm thinking people in their 80s, 90s, but what is the age range you've worked with? And have you seen this as an area that people fall short dramatically? So there, for every one rhododendron Ernie, there are 20 or 100 other people that are that are just searching for something to do. Yeah. In the 2,000 hours extra they have once they stop working. Is that, it's, have you it's seen true. a lot I've of that? I've seen that a lot. And it's interesting because I have worked in senior living. I was a co-founder of... Uh, an institute for senior living at Washington State University, and it focuses on the senior living communities. And a lot of people are in those communities, their minds are still sharp. They may have some physical issues, um, or they still may be able to live at home, but their minds are still sharp. Um, My mom is super sharp, and she's in her 90s. And um, so people ask themselves that question, what am I going to do now? And so uh, you want to be able to take advantage of this where we don't have role models like Ernie was mine. But I talked to my mom. My, mom's, my mom asked me one time, what's it like taking care of us old people? Because she never had that opportunity. Her parents passed away when she was still fairly young. And, you know, I told her, oh, well, sometimes you're kind of a pain in the rear. And, 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 but a lot of time it's joyful, but it is new and it's kind of cool, mom, because I have experiences working with you as you age that you never had. So I know more about this than you do. (laughs) Thinking about retirement in 2024. Well, you're not alone. And I've got just the thing to help guide you on your journey. What the happiest retirees know. My most recent book that shares the 10 habits of the happiest retirees meant to help you land at a place where work becomes optional. 
For a limited time, get 25% off at westmossbooks.com. Simply use the promo code OURTREAT, all one word, at checkout. That's westmossbooks.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Let's talk about SOAR. So you didn't necessarily start SOAR, but when it was a concept, they they brought you in and said, we really need your help. Right. And, and now now you're essentially running this and, and driving this program. I love the curriculum. The, the Museum of Me, great questions, transitions, purpose, and impact, design your life. Uh, and it sounded like it is over the course of, is it nine months? What, what are the logistics behind this? Because this is California, yeah. but I know you can do some of this online, but some of it in person. Yeah, and that's a great question because if anybody looked at the materials um, uh, a couple of months ago, it, it was a nine-month program, and it's not anymore. Um, we are, uh, no surprise, being part of the Drucker School of Management, um, uh, we use uh, product development techniques to figure out what our customers want and design programs to meet the needs of customers. And so when I took it over, I said, we need to do some market research here and figure out what the demand is out there. And there are a number of universities that do put on nine month programs. And like, um, like they're, they're expensive. They require nine months of commitment to move to a city to have the time as well as up to $75,000 for one of these programs. Um, both the, the time, the, the geographic restrictions and the money are our inhibitors. And this is a growing area for populations. So our feed, our market feedback said, no, 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 no. We, you got to do something that's more accessible. So the SOAR program as we have it now, the high level is it's in three sections um, this spring, in the fall and next winter. But let me only talk about the first chunk right now because it is just as you described. It's a hybrid online and on campus. It starts on March 13th is the first online session. And we do introductions with the faculty and all the participants and have some panel discussions. And and then you get homework that a month later, April 12th, 13th, and 14th is on campus in Claremont, California. That's essential because a big part of this is not only getting expert advice from the faculty, but your peers. There's going to be a lot of people sure. kind of like you that you want to develop relationships with and talk with that are going through very similar issues, and you can learn a lot from them. So we didn't do it totally online. We said, no, that would be a big miss. That wouldn't provide value. So then that three-day on campus in Claremont is followed up by three more sessions online. Um, and it makes it really accessible. Um, and then the price point, instead of being $75,000, it's $3,995 for basically a three-month program. How many folks do you think you're going to be able to have in, in a class in, in, in starting this spring? Our target is 25. Max will be about Oh, so it's, this is not a... 
You better, you may need to expand yeah. that after this podcast yeah. goes yeah. out, man. <laughs> yeah. Because your article, Eisenberg's article about SOAR went all over the place. I mean, I found that on CNBC. Yeah. yeah. I would think that you're going to probably have more than 25 people because that would be a good problem I mean, to have. Um, this program, I should also mention, we've done private uh, sessions of these for companies and organizations like we had an organization of california police chiefs that went through a very similar program and so a lot of that of the content has been tried and tested uh, this is the first chance for the general public to be able to access and take advantage of it and like all good new product developments we've got product development plans and if we exceed our imaginations with this first one We'll run concurrent sessions. We'll have feature ones. Yeah. Yeah. Sky's the limit. Let's go through what you think the curriculum looks like. And it sounds like you've already, this has already been taught. It's just, it's a new, new group that's being able to right. consuming it. But let's go through Museum of Me, great questions, transitions, et cetera. Sure. Let's talk. I, I love, I love Museum and Me. Yeah. Of Me. It's, that's it's cool. really, that's a cool It's name. really cool. And uh, the professor who leads that, his name is Josh Good. He's a museum expert and a historian, and he always emphasizes, I am not a techno person. I'm a humanities person. And so for him to kick this off is really cool. Um, the Museum of Me, we've all been to museums, and the way Josh says it is that we've all seen what they look like, and we appreciate different ones for different reasons, but we never know what it's like to build one. And so what he takes the participants through is to develop their own story like a museum curator would, including artifacts that people can look at. You can look at and say, this tells part of the story of your past. And then what story do you want to tell now? Then what story might you want to tell in the future? So, I mean, he, he's also got a great sense of humor. He cracks me up all the time. And so he's very engaging and entertaining. Um, and uh, th that's kind of uses that museum paradigm to start getting people to think about who am I, where have I been, what am I going to do? And then map out, if I were to be able to look at my entire story, what are the last 20 years or 30 years really want to look right, like? Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of paradigms you've heard out there. Uh, uh, write your obituary. What do you want your sure. obituary to see in things? I like, like the museum story better. I don't, I've never <laughs> loved the write your own obituary because... It's kind of a dark narrative. I, I, I immediately think of a funeral. I immediately think of the crying people talking about the dead person. Yes. <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, it's a powerful narrative, but I, I think I like museum, well, it, the story of, of a museum it, 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 a little better. It is, it is good because, as I said, the, the past, present, and future paradigms, because there are other programs that I know about that say, uh, at this point in your life, it's about in reinventing yourself. Who is the new you? So throw away your resume. And I'm not a disciple of that one mm -hmm. because that's kind of, there's a lot of value and strength in that. There may be some things that you're done with and you want to move on, but you got to base it on that. So Josh Josh does that. And then um, he, he transitioned it to um, a couple of professors, Kat Pick. Um, who is an organizational expert, and then our arts and humanities dean, uh, Laurieanne Farrell. And they ask some of the big questions. And so that's the second that's, course, great that's questions. That's the second part of this three-day 
part of this three day. It's the second part. So you'll first start out with Josh and the Museum of Me, and then you go into the great questions, and they use books and poems and things like that. Ask all the big questions like, what's truth? How do you know it? What's forgiveness? What's loss? What's joy? What does it mean to be a person? What is a life well lived? And you have to struggle with some of those. Uh, you you got to roll up your sleeves and put some thought yeah, into it. I was going to say, if you put me on the spot, I don't know. Those are hard to answer right off the they are. tip of your brain. They are. Yeah, so they, yeah, I mean, thinking, that's yeah. why if you read these same things in a book and say, I'm going to figure this out myself, some people can do it. But if you have experts that facilitate this, guide you through it, and you have peers in the same room, and you get to go off in a small group for a half hour or so and, and kicking around a little bit and, and learn from other people and share your ideas, it's really powerful. You know, I think about over the years, I've done a, a variety of different executive leadership classes and courses. And getting to know the, the milieu that you're with is, a, is actually probably the biggest, is the most memorable part of these. Yes. So I think that any of any leadership training program or leadership course that you go through, and, and there's obviously lots of different versions of this in, in cities all over the, over the country and for companies, but the takeaway is, the, is a remembrance of what you're learning from your peers. Yes. And, and this is going to be the same. This is the same thing is that you're going to probably get your first group of 25 is going to probably be a pretty cool group of people. Yes, I think you're, you're right. And because um, they're also a curious group. I think it's going to be a really interesting person yes. that wants to do yes, this. Yes, you're right. And your touch point about the courses that you personally led in seeing the value of the cohort um, goes back to the early uh, stage of college education like we know now. I always believe that more than half of what I learned in undergraduate college was the experience, not the content of the courses. And you look at people now that get together with their, their uh, friends from college 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, they're all talking about the good times they had and the experience of that. They're not talking about what they learned in chemistry 101 or something like that. That may have launched them to their career, um, but it's the cohort, it's the people, the experience, and that's what's really valuable. Okay, how about transitions? So uh, uh, Jeremy Hunter, the professor who leads this, he travels the world teaching mindfulness, judgment, clarity in relationships, quality of life, and things like that, and transitions is a big part of it. So when you get this foundation of your museum of me and you think you have a handle on some of the great questions so how do you transition from where you are now to where you want to be and there's all sorts of unpredictable emotions that come through these change uh, there there are books out there on transitions um, and you can mm -hmm. read those and they talk about all of these different thoughts and feelings we're pretty good at it because we've all transitioned from grade school to middle school to high school to college to getting a job. We know about transitions, but a lot of us do it implicitly because we have to do it. Um, I was never taught, and most of us are not taught how to really do transitions effectively. So um, Jeremy Hunter kind of teaches you what those techniques are to transition successfully. And the strange thing is all those transitions I mentioned earlier, yeah, we've all done that at a certain point in life. But as, I, as we were talking earlier, very few have transitioned from I'm now 60 years old 
and have another 30 to 40 years to go, that's a transition that society has not prepared us for very well. Yeah. And that's what uh, this uh, transition is taking those foundational things and figuring what the rest of your life is based on what you have already done. How about purpose and impact? This is really an interesting one because um, it tries to get at um, what are you good at? What do you care about? What does the world need? Um, and what do you want to contribute to that? This is widely varied, and this is another differentiation point uh, from our program to others, that some of them, they actually are very structured, that when you come through this transition program, you will have the blueprint for starting your own nonprofit. It's very explicit, mm. Um, mm. and that's not this program. This program is... Oh, you're saying some of these other programs. By the right. way, what are some of the other big schools that do this? What are some of the big uh, universities? Stanford, uh, Chicago, Harvard, uh, Cambridge... University of Texas, uh, Arizona State University, um, and there's there's a consortium of about 30 universities worldwide, uh, of which we are a member, and we get together periodically and share share notes. What is the consortium called? What what is the umbrella name for it's the, called these the, courses? The Nexel, N E X E L, Nexel Collaborative, hosted by Stanford. We all pay dues to be members of it, and and we get together periodically and and share ideas. And we're really, all these different ones, we're trying to complement each other because we think the demand is going to be so high and there's going to be different people of different walks of life that need different things. And so we're all complementing what each other does. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I think we're getting to the peak of 65-year-old birthdays. We've heard of the 10,000 people a day turning 65. I think that 2024, early 2024, is this the peak, peak, peak of, of those birthdays happening every single day. So you're right, the demand. I mean, there's three dozen programs that are teaching retirement reinvention. There, there probably could be 300 programs doing it, and they're not. Yes, Yes. So we're not trying to corner the market here. We can't. We don't have the resources. We want to share and expand. Okay. So some of them are a little bit more focused, i.e., hey, we're gonna you're gonna have a business plan when you leave here. You're gonna have a nonprofit plan when you leave here. Yours is a little this this purpose and impact. And and by the way, I I think that purpose, I write a lot about retirement and happiness, and this is the, you know, this this is the title of my latest book, what the happiest retirees know and their habits. Yeah. The but really, it is a ongoing life process of feeding your purpose. It's it's finding it, modifying it, adding to it, and then funding it. Yes, right. So I'm modifying it, identifying it, feeding it, funding it, and the purpose process to me is is a really important real life thing to talk about. Happiness is a little harder just to talk about. Hey, what makes you happy? That's a harder question for people to answer. 
But it's easier for people to say, you know, if I really were to think about the purpose, what is my purpose? People can answer that question. Yeah. Uh, and so I love, I love this purpose and impact. And then it sounds like you close up the course with design of life. Yes. What's that like? Um, so what you end up with out of here is of your own choosing. Um, something you just mentioned about uh, constantly redefining this as you progress through your life. That's the important part of a program like this too, that, that you just brought out that, um, in a program like this, just like in an educational setting, you learn tools to navigate through different things in life. We all know how to add and subtract and multiply, and we can use them the rest of our lives. So part of this program is to give you the tools to continue that cycle that you just described. That was a very important point. Um, when you get to establishing your foundation, the purpose and impact, what do you do with it then? And like we just said, we're not prescribing that you come out of here with a product, but if you do, that's fine. There are professors that we have, uh, faculty, uh, there are other people that we can connect people with through our networks to say, if you want to go to this, we know some people that can help you and you want to come out with a specific result. Some people would just want to have a better, more holistic life. And a good friend of mine uh, went through the Stanford program and is more satisfied than ever with what he is doing because he understands himself and what's important to him. And having another big fancy title or the corner office or even spending every day on the golf course, that just wasn't him. And he was able to discover that. So when you take that how do you go about bringing that into fruition and actually living that? So now that one's probably a little bit more expensive than SOAR. That one is more <laughs> the Stanford. Yes, the Stanford <laughs> one is more expensive, and it's the night. It's a nine-month residential one. Um, so it 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 targets a specific market. Um, in this design your life um, session that is on the third day, the Sunday, April fourteenth, uh, applies design thinking tools. And approaches as you generate ideas based on everything you've done up to that point in the first two and a half days. And so we have uh, Jane Nakamura. She's the director of the Quality of Life Research Center. I love that name, the Quality of Life Research Center. So she helps people challenge, you know, and understand your quality of life um, and how you define it. Um, Jeremy Hutter, who I mentioned earlier, he helps with that one too because it's part of the transition. Um, and then we have a design thinking and strategy expert, um, Hideki Yamawaki. And Hideki is that he's a professor at the Drucker School, and he he teaches courses on design principles uh, in the business school, mm -hmm. and he brings that into the SOAR program. There's a lot going on in those three days. Um, and Okay, so that really, we just talked about the first three days. Yeah. And then you've come back to the campus for the next phase of SOAR well, throughout the year. Well, there's something before that because you've been through three days of very immersive stuff. And usually when you leave, you're pretty well exhausted and you've got a lot going on in your head, a lot that you figured out that's not in your head anymore because it's now been replaced by other things. So we give people a couple of weeks to digest that. And then we have another online session as part of this. And this will be probably late April. Um, uh, and it's uh, Jeremy Hunter again, taking the group through a process called letting go. And it's letting go of the past and helping move to your new vision. 
And then uh, a couple of weeks after that, we have another online session again with uh, Professor Yamawaki again. And he goes back to your design, your life plan. And we do a tune-up of that design. So you feel really confident that you got your design down and you can go off and execute that. And then we have a last online session, which is an open cohort discussion facilitated by faculty to bring everybody together again and have the last hurrah um, for the SOAR 1 session. And then if you choose, there's SOAR 2 in the fall and the SOAR 3 next winter. And those are, so SOAR 2 is not the same. It's, not. it's a It's an evolution of that. Yeah, so there's there's a transition the in on this Sunday in SOAR 1 that kind of is all-inclusive. So here you got the whole story. And then SOAR 2 actually takes you into other topics and it builds on some of the things you did in SOAR 1. Um, and so there's a transition there. Uh, and that's slated for October uh, of 2024. And then in 25, uh, usually uh, early January, uh, a capstone experience, um, which mm-hmm. is a separate event by itself. You can choose to join or not, but it's uh, probably going to be an international travel trip to be immersive um, with students of all ages. So it's going to be people from SOAR, probably students from the colleges. So we're going to get older people and younger people. It's pretty powerful stuff when you see these different perspectives. How new is SOAR? Because you mentioned that you've seen successes and you've seen people go through this. Is this because of SOAR or the same curriculum in slightly different venues? It's the same curriculum in slightly different venues, actually called SOAR. Um, but it wasn't, uh, since we do it for an organization, we do it at the pace that organization wants. And so this was, it, it just hadn't gotten to the Drucker school of management yet. It actually wasn't the Drucker school, but let's say when the police chiefs associated wanted to do it, if they wanted to do a full week session, then take a month off and do another full week session. That's the way we would do it. It was just more customized. Yeah. What about t- maybe some stories of some results or just some stories of folks that came through that and how that impacted them? Yeah, it's really interesting because I, I looked into some of those and some people continued on their present trajectory, but they had a newfound confidence that they were on the right path, which oh, was unexpected. Cool. Yeah. Um, cool. And other people said, well... I'm going to transition into my version of retirement as they defined it on their own terms. And they were very happy with that. So I know a couple of police chiefs that decided they didn't really want to be the face of the city's police chief anymore, but they really knew a lot and wanted to share that. And so they became consultants. Um, And it's a common route for people, but man, they're sharing a lot of good experience and knowledge. And what do you think your favorite piece of advice is on second act or reinvention? What have you seen work the best? What, what is your favorite part about what you all are teaching at SOAR? Well, one of my, my single piece of advice is that um, at this stage in life, most of us, if not all of us, have had many years of meeting many demands from the world. Here is your chance for you to work on you. Take it. You know, with your background, this is not out of left field because I think I think about it all the time, but I always follow up Gallup and they do a workplace engagement study. 
And they do it every, I think they, they update it every year. And the latest one shows workplace engagement in different, really in different geographical representation in Europe, in Asia, in North, North America and Canada. And I've looked at these engagement studies for 20 some years and they still to this day have a similar ratio of people that actually are engaged or really like working. And the latest one, at least in the U.S. and Canada, is about 31% engagement. So th- wow. a third of folks, a little less than a third of Americans and can- Canadians really love work. That's how I interpret it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it. it's purposeful work. And then you have a really big chunk of people that they – Gallup actually calls it quiet quitting, which means they don't really want to be there. Yep. So they're just doing the, <laughs> the bare minimum. I yes. really don't, really don't want to be here, so I'm kind of quiet quitting. Yeah. And then there's another – it's about another fifth – so again, this this group makes up sixty nine percent of all work people who work in America that are actively are are loud. I think they call it loud quitting, which again I interpret that as they really dislike their job, so they're actively almost they'd like to see the company you know, not do well, their department not do well, their boss get fired. So think about that. Less than a third of Americans are really loving work, and the Amazing. other more than two thirds of America just just doesn't like it. Or hates it. So I guess from all of your experience, and there's no perfect answer here, but what do you th- what do you think that is? Why is it so l- difficult to find meaningful work in America? Well, that's a that's a that's a big question. One that I've pondered throughout my career as I've searched. Maybe for we'll add it work. to great questions. Course number two at SOAR. <laughs> that's a now that's a great idea. But you, but you know, a, a lot of it is the mindset that, that I think people have and that um, I actually was on a, in a workshop with the SOAR faculty yesterday and there was some messy little tasks that are required to put on a program of this magnitude that everybody was kind of like not enthused about. And I said, okay, I will do it. And they go like, why you? And I said, so here's my philosophy. If the floors need to be swept or the garbage needs to be taken out, I'll do it because it needs to be done. And I see value in doing tasks just because they need to be done. But it took me a lot of time in my career because like everybody else, I was, you know, when I was in my 20s, I thought that I was pretty close to being qualified to be the CEO, you know, in another week or two. I knew so much coming out of college and all that. (laughs) And so I think that a lot of the work, to your point, is fairly routine um, mm. I worked in a grocery store and I stocked shelves and the next week the shelves were empty and I got to put cans right back on the shelf. And I thought, wow, this just seems like I'm going nowhere. But then I realized one of the people said that I worked with, um, another wisdom point is like people come into the store to get food and products that they need for their lives. So by putting these on the shelves, you're actually helping people live their lives. And there's meaning, I think, in a lot of work that people don't look for. But when we go around thinking like, oh, I want to get a bunch of stock options and quit working and do all that, that's absolutely the wrong approach to finding meaning in whatever work you do. 
Great answer. I, I put you on the spot with one of the great questions <laughs> that I think about all the time in America. Be, be, and it's juxtaposed because we have such a productive workforce. So we have the, I, I believe, I, I call it the Army of American Productivity, which is a 24-7, 365 machine that's always moving forward. It is. Innovation, entrepreneurship, it's always moving forward. Now, the fuel, I think, can be slightly different. There's part of the fuel that's, again, never-ending. It's a, it's a bottomless supply of fuel for that army of American productivity fueled by part of its fear. I've just got to work. Yeah. Part of it, part of it is optimism and then part of it is purpose. And I think that's the noblest of the three, but it's kind of this three cylinder tank. That's always, that's, that is bottomless because these are our human emotions that will never go away as long as we're human, unless, unless we're replaced by artificial intelligence. <laughs> so what oh. is kind of just, what is one thing that our audience can maybe do now if they're considering a second act career yes yeah so so in in your bottomless source of motivations for the american workforce you, the the middle one you mentioned optimism i think is extremely powerful and you don't get optimism by staying on social media and reading the news every day that's something that comes in really what we do every day that's away from those things and that optimistic approach, I think that, I mean, it's, we have every right to be optimistic. There's so many good things that can be done. So the one thing that you can do is figure out how to tap into your own optimism for this stage of your life. And I go back to the old phrase, carpe diem. Uh, when you finish listening to this podcast, go immediately look for programs to help your journey, do some research. I mean, ours is easy to find. CGU SOAR, S-O-A-R, CGU SOAR. If you just put that in a search engine, it'll pop right up as the number one. And, and then do your, do your due diligence, look at other programs and what they might offer and find the one that works for you. And you bring that optimism and that desire for um, reinventing yourself, your renewal to a program like this, it's going to be fantastic. It's just such a great energizing time of life if you decide to go do that, and it's there. I'm on my phone right now, cgu.soar. I'm signing up right now. <laughs> Just so our, I, I was, I've been thinking about this the whole time we're talking. Like it'd be so fun to do this. I think it's, I do already have, you know, kind of two main jobs. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if I can do this just now, but maybe somebody from our team can do this take notes, yeah. but I just want to do it for fun. Yeah, uh, This is awesome, uh, Steve. I mean, it's just such a, I, I'm so glad we found you. And it's a great discussion about a big question that we all need to answer. We're not great at it. Yeah, Two thirds of Americans have a really tough transition. And then this is what is not always easy to find on the podcast is some just actionable things we can do. Right. And and you've given us that. We can actionably look at programs like SOAR. It doesn't have to be SOAR. By the way, we don't get there's no commission or affiliate right. fee we're getting from SOAR here on the podcast. This is just purely I thought it was valuable for our audience. And by the way, if anybody on the Retire Sooner or any listeners end up signing up for this and take the course, I we would love to hear about it. We'd love to hear if you do any of these reinvention programs or if you do SOAR, our team, of course, would just love to hear how it goes and if it feels helpful, if it's life-changing, if it's not, we'd, we'd love to hear. 
So Steve, thank you for spending the time here today and your initiative at Claremont and, and at SOAR. Certainly. Hey, y'all, this is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This information is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no guaranteed offer that investment return, yield, or performance will be achieved. Stock prices fluctuate, sometimes rapidly and dramatically, due to factors affecting individual companies, particular industries or sectors, or general market conditions. For stocks paying dividends, dividends are not guaranteed and can increase, decrease, or be eliminated without notice. Fixed income securities involve interest rate, credit, inflation, and reinvestment risks and possible loss of principal. As interest rates rise, the value of fixed income securities falls. Past performance is not indicative of future results when considering any investment vehicle. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. Investment decisions should not be based solely on information contained here. This information is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment, tax, estate, or financial planning considerations or decisions. The information contained here is strictly an opinion and it is not known whether the strategies will be successful. The views and opinions expressed are for educational purposes only as of the date of production and may change without notice at any time based on numerous factors such as market and other conditions.